Um, Tucker Bryan, I don't know what your format as well is, Jean-Michel, whether you'd like to do 10 minutes of questions on these topics from the, the audience as well. Yes. Yes, would you do that? Yes. Would you like to, Tucker Bryan, would you like to just finish off for a few words on this and then we'll, uh, we'll throw open the floor to everyone. I just wanted to say that I think, um, I mean, it's not the, the New Deal for Energy Consumers that's discussed in the Energy Union uh, strategy is a very real thing and it's building on making use of new technologies that are coming and I put it another way which is we know we're going to need them so there's a question of how we're going to deliver this flexibility but we know we need the flexibility that consumers and demand side can deliver we also know that it shouldn't be something that's burdening consumers that's certainly not the answer and the question then becomes is what are the steps that in terms of very detailed issues around how the, the organization of distribution system operators and what information they share and provide that becomes very important and how do we ensure that companies actually deliver this and that we are not blocked another way but that it is and will be critical and that another point that's as, as Jean-Michel mentioned as well that would be critical is that we ensure that this also keeps in mind the wider question of vulnerable consumers and how that's addressed but they are very related but still distinct issues and that the question of treatment of vulnerable consumers shouldn't block the development of mm. for what let's hope of it most of us are not at the end of the day vulnerable consumers mm. uh, I noticed there were two questions actually well there are more now uh, so th but two sort of immediate ones or three in that corner over there yes okay. but you go first um, I'm Johannes Kindler um, I'm um, a former regulator and uh, I have dealt my almost my whole life um, um, with energy policy, partially a part of my life also with monetary um, policy. And um, the strategic question I would like to ask is, um, why the hell um, did you switch so quickly uh, to these to this new proposals on a um, European energy union uh, at a time when you are, when you are, um, let's say, still in the middle of the achievement of uh, the single market, you uh, in the European uh, energy single market, uh, we have uh, achieved the bike of the regulation, and we have made a lot of progress. I'm happy about that. But what have we, what have we done? What have we really done to realize it? Where are the investment? Did um, uh, we have never did. Um, uh, we have never done um, an assessment of um, um, of the third package of its success so far, mm. and so on. So, um, what is the state mm. of play? Um, we have um, established a new vision without uh, enough visibility, and uh, I don't know if we are flying in a full or in a black uh, or in a, in an empty. A box, but we are flying a black box <laughs> into a black, black box, and um, uh, you know um, um, the idea of a union. It needs needs huge transfer. It needs needs more interdependence and so on. Um, um, it's at um, the energy union is at least as risky as a monetary union. Uh, that's why I, I um, mentioned uh, my former activities. 
and um, it needs to be prepared more carefully. Thank you. Any volunteers to go first? If I may. Yeah. First of all, that we have had no assessment of how we are proceeding with the internal energy market, I think is wrong. We've got a series of communications, which are reports on the development of the internal energy market, which, uh, strange enough, really actually do make for some interesting and good reading. They're not badly written, not even just the parts that I wrote, but other people. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have some very interesting information on the member states and the and the annexes, I think it's, it's their packages, and I'm sure you have read them, Johannes, but I think if it's worth going through, and maybe not just picking out the German file or the country report, but pick some of the other ones, and you'll begin to see. I think as well, if you read those, and read them consistently, and the developments, and how it, and the understanding, you'll begin to see why the need for an energy union was felt. I think that's another important. This, this isn't just why... President Juncker, when he was developing his political priorities, felt energy union was something to be done. Now, I, maybe he did. Maybe he did read them all, but I suspect he got a edited highlights. But why were the edited highlights? And he said, no, actually, this is something that you can make a centerpiece of your political campaign, and you can make a centerpiece of your mandate as president of the commission. And then, having done that, why he made it central to his uh, reorganization of the commission, creating a a vice president for energy union to see this and it builds and i think we should remember this one of the dimensions one of the clear dimensions is the internal energy market one of the things that's driving this for example is the fact that we have studies that show there are savings of the order of 15 to 40 billion per year in the electricity sector alone from moving to an internal energy market this is money that captures the this that captures the attention of heads of state and government, as we saw yesterday. Can we just uh, try and collect a few questions, maybe, first? Should we just have a couple of questions and then uh, deal with them? Yeah, I'm, I'm Jose Luis Mata. I work for REE in Spain. Uh, I would like to ask the, the, the panel if this uh, energy union is really opening the door to a fourth package, uh, and if so, what could be the content of it? Thank you. And then just behind you, Duffer. Hello, uh, David Abiago from Argus. Um, question for the Commission, maybe Jean, uh, Jean Arnaud, you could answer as well. It's, um, I mean, procedural, just on the IGAs and the new legislation or up updating or revising of the existing legislation. When, when could that happen? Because the Council said swiftly, I think that's the word in the text. And, and for Jean Arnaud, do you believe it can be so swift? Um, you know, because it, it's co-decision, right? And can we just take the gentleman at the back as well there? Uh, William Darsley, University of Leuven in Belgium. <clears throat> I'll try to be quick. Um, um, now, I do agree with the first part of Jean Arnaud's uh, comments. I have a huge admiration for Europe and for the Commission. I think part of the problem lies with the member states. So I won't uh, blame too much the people in the Commission. However, um, although my message might sound a little bit um, uh, that the glass is half, half empty, I will turn it around and make it um, half full. I do not agree at all with what Jean Arnaud said that we have reached a lot. No, what we managed to do is we were doing very, very well, although after three packages with the internal market, 
we're converging, we have um, converging pricing signals, but then we managed to screw them up. We screwed it up completely. We have no investments. Uh, we, it's basically broke, and that's why, indeed, and some people say that we are in a crisis here. And what is really missing there is that we forgot to do the systems thinking. Systems integration, some of you have actually mentioned it um, in passing, but I think that's what we haven't done. Although the Commission has been doing or tried to do a good job with the impact analysis, but we haven't actually gone far enough. I know it's a nonlinear system, I know it's not easy to predict these things, and we can predict it, but we don't even understand these things, how they work. Now we have started talking about capacity mechanisms, which they have been doing already for 15 years in the United States. So what are we doing? We're talking about these different pillars. Yeah, but we haven't talked about the integration of the pillars. They're all interlinked, and as long as we don't do that, we won't reach anything stable in the future. Also, we have to look at the resilience of the system. We have to look also at uh, disruptions and these things. We need to look at these things much, much more carefully in a systems integrated manner. Okay, thank you. Please and some comments. Maybe we'll just get to the third question from the, the lady at the front here. Thank you. I'm Lise Deguin from RTE, the French Electricity TSO. Um, I just wanted to react on a few what things. First of all, I'm very happy at the end of this debate to understand how, uh, well, I loved the, uh, the reading uh, uh, five years ago, the proposal from uh, the Institut de l'Or. The only thing that I was not very happy with was the fact that it was concluded by, we want all these things and we will not be able to do that. Um, all the 27 of us, we were 27 at that time. And then maybe we have to think to other things like uh, cooperation renforcée and so on. And that was accepting the fact that we could not go ahead all together and uh, with solidarity. And so I'm happy that five years ago, all the good ideas are still there, but also the fact that we could and that we should uh, make this energy union, which is different because it's within the treaty, within uh, the, uh, uh, the, the fact that we are 28. That's the first point. The second point on cooperation, um, um, harmonization, cooperation, and so on. I think that's one of Where the conditions these? of the efficiency of this process, which is really very, very and uh, gives enthu enthusiasm. Okay is uh, the fact that uh, Sami and so you, you spoke about cooperation. And then what is cooperation? Cooperation is not uh, something completely top-down. It's also the fact that you understand the constraints and uh, the, 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 the difficulties of everyone. What I wanted to say is that if you think to the reactions of every stakeholder, every member state, every different type of member states, east, est, big, large, small, and so as selfishness, then you're stuck. But if you think that it is, well, okay, what can I do? Taking the fact that at the end I am still responsible, then you uh, enter in a very constructive dialogue. And I think that this could be done, but not saying everything has to be decided 
in Brussels or whatever, because this doesn't go uh, um, uh, anywhere. And the last thing uh, is that um, I can tell that uh, the electricity TSOs are very, very excited about all the prospects that are in this box that definitely is not a void box because there are a lot of things that we have been asking for uh, potentially and we are excited in, into opening the, this, uh, this dialogue. The only thing I would say to TAG is that we were a little disappointed that the transmission ne power network is not covered in the field solidarity because for from our point of view it's also a very very important tool for solidarity between citizens and countries that's it should we go back should we start with the f notion of the fourth package uh have we any volunteers to take us off with that yes okay. <laughs> but this is the biggest surprise of the communication I didn't believe what I did read. I did start uh, 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 understanding European policy 10 years ago, William was there, 10 years ago when we have been informal uh, discussions for Commissioner P. Marx. He told us repeatedly, you will never get a third package. It's politically impossible. So we will do anything to achieve the internal market with the second package. Two years later, or maybe a second package and a half. Three years later, allez, let's go for a third package. But remember that to get the third package, we got also the sector inquiry. So we got DG Comp shooting at everybody from RWA to Gas de France. And then, second Barroso Commission, but third package, we have it. Well, it's done. And, and now a fourth package, but what are you going to put in the fourth package? <laughs> Where do you want to go with the wholesale market, the retail market, the links among them, the regionalization uh, foreseen by Jean Arnold, and the grids we need to be able to respond to the market, because grids are only now responding to markets. Even, even if they do it in the first step, they do what they foresee the market will do. So that's the biggest unknown of the, of the existing communication. And I would be very surprised if TAG was able to give me any light on the content of this fourth package black box. Okay. Yeah, it's very illustrative. With Jean Arnold, we've been touring Europe 360 degrees, talking to all people from the private sector, from the public sector, European, national, regulators, TSO, etc., etc. Public conference or closed meetings or even bilateral discussion, etc. What was interesting is that we had these kind of questions will there be a false package, etc.? Does it really matter? Uh, and no, because fourth, fifth, seventh package, what we need is a breakthrough. I think we, we need to be clear about that. And regarding your your comment, you know, we've been hearing it hundreds of times. We've been doing a lot of good things. We've been progressing a lot, etc. And that's true. And that's very good. But just look at the European Council conclusion of 2007. This was the mandate for this European Energy Policy Part 1. Everything has been done. 
do we feel that everything is going well, that everything is very nice and we are secure, sustainable and, and, and competitive? No. So let's not wait a few years to see whether the system as we did it from 2007 is performing. And so we have uh, to, move, to move ahead uh, with uh, a breakthrough. That's Just, I mean, so that we talk, there are now two, two sort of um, questions for you there, really. I mean, both on that, but also on the sort of the time frame of uh, the IGAs and the idea of some new legislation. Um, first of all, it's not the fourth packet, it's the first revolution. Yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to say fourth package. Maybe I'm even newer to the Brussels game than Jean Michel. And I, well, why would we call it a fourth package? I mean, what, are we talking about titles here? I don't see it as a fourth package for a start. We've got an energy union strategy. Why would we say, okay, but it's actually a fourth package? It's not. There's a series of policies that are set out there in that strategy, which I think are coherent, which have generally been accepted as being coherent and representing a coherent package of ideas. It's not a fourth package. But it's changes and things that are addressed in some of the fourth and some sorry the third package legislation, but far beyond that, touches things that didn't exist when the third package was adopted. Infrastructure regulations, age of issues like that. I think another point is the the evolution, it's, it, it's much more important to see it for what it is and not to think about it in different terms or, or historical terms. Um, okay, if you want to for yourself at home, that's fine. If it helps you understand, but that's not how the Commission is thinking about it. On the IJs, um, I'm going to be shot if I'm wrong, but I think it's in the back of the document in the annex. We give a 2016, we give a date for the review for the proposal from the Commission. So that's then it will be out of our court and into the court of the legislator. Yes, uh, well, I was asked directly whether it would be done swiftly. Uh, so, but it's the same for the fourth package uh, ID. So I think that what is announced in the roadmap on a number of issues is to uh, fine tune a number of existing regulation and directives. So uh, the third package was a completely uh, new uh, legislative uh, um, package. Uh, so new directive on electricity and gas with three regulations and the regulation on creating the uh, ACER. Uh, so I think that's what we see in, in this uh, roadmap is uh, fine-tuning a number of things. So if you want to empower the TSOs to coordinate in real time the flows of electricity at regional or European level, you need to do something in the Directive on electricity and directive on gas. If you want to give some more powers to ACER, you need to adapt the regulation on ACER. But uh, all this is not revising uh, the, the, the whole text, it's just uh, changing the article <laughs> and so on. For the IGA, you have already the, the, the decision of uh, 2010 or 12, uh, where it's also to, if you want an ex ante view by the Commission. This is also amending an article. So I think that's, that's really fine-tuning, I, 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 uh, I would say, uh, about this. So this is uh, refining the uh, instruments which exist. But uh, the energy union, I think, in our view, is a, a, uh, a new project with a single process, which is still by the European Council, because I think in the field of energy, you cannot count on the Minister of Energy 
to achieve the change in the in the energy sector, you need to go at the upper level, and I think that's what has been done since 2007. I think clearly, and the idea is to have a kind of mandate of the European Council to go toward. Uh, the, the changes which will have to be negotiated at the end in details by the ministers of energy and the European Parliament. So, but what, what is the risk in the energy union idea? I think the vision, which is in page, page two of the communication, is is very clear, very inspirational. Uh, some Americans I met this morning were saying it's aspirational, which is not exactly the same. <laughs> so, uh, yes, of course, there is a number of doubts. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, like Johannes and William, maybe. But um, I think that, indeed, it is to manage the energy transition in which we are. So we have not spoken about the energy transition, but. I think we are going towards a low carbon economy. In 2007, it was not that clear. It was going for sustainability, but it was not accepted. Today, I think that the framework 2030, even if it is not very ambitious, it's clearly confirming the direction in which we are going. And um, that is where you need to manage this energy transition. In other words, you have to adapt your instruments to, to achieve that, and you have to enlarge your instruments. In other words, what we say in our report is to enlarge it to really all these other policies which are accompanying policies which are very important. Innovation mm -hmm. is very important. Education is very important. The social dialogue or the social acceptance of things, including protection of vulnerable customers, in not as an energy policy, but as a social policy. Uh, trade policy, uh, governance, uh, the state of energy union you didn't speak about, but which is aiming at giving to the population an indication where we are, is very important. So, And also the agency for, for information. So uh, if you see the US, how they have a fantastic information about the whole energy system, including the European one, we do not have the European one. If you want to be first in renewables, you will not know when you will be first in renewable because you do not have the right tools to, do, to, to have that. So I think there's really the need to, to put all this together. And then you need to keep your red line with the energy union because all the pieces you will have to, to make the energy union have to stay together. Because the risk in the council, and you know that very well, is that the council will begin to pick in the menu and uh, maybe it will like uh, the, the, the desert or the one of the, the meal, uh, the main meal in the, the menu, but it will reject others. So I think it's very important to keep the coherent approach and the vision you have in the energy union. So keep really do your vision in page two, which is ambitious, and I agree with Johannes, it's an ambitious thing, but it's a qualitative step forward. So it's something else, because otherwise, why have we been stuck today? Is because of national interventions in the name of security of supply with capacity market mechanisms and things like that, and reserve, and, and also because of sovereignty of the energy mix. So you need to overcome that without changing the treaty, but it's just a matter of political will. And that is, the political will is the energy union. The energy union is a political project. And I agree with you, it requires a major shift of centralization maybe, but a clever centralization. So really empowering the member states where they have to be empowered against a European framework to avoid that you are undermining completely all that has been done since 2007. That would be a pity, I think. Or we go completely backwards.
But today, I think we have no choice. We have to go a step further. The banking union is about that. We had a crisis, but we have a crisis in energy, no? And maybe because we are in crisis, we are able to go that step further. I really invite yeah. you to read this, this paragraph on page two of this thing, because we everyone read once this document, just looking whether their own interest and position were there. Read it once again, the whole thing all together, how it can interact, how you can make it interact, and read this one paragraph at the end of page two, and this is the vision of uh, the Energy Union. Read and we it. come back to read it. the bridge. Read it. Read it. Read it. You have so, to. I read it. <laughs> you have to. Yes. To reach our goal, the, ro the goal of a resilient energy union with an ambitious climate change policy, we have to move away from an economy driven by fossil fuels, an economy where energy is based on a centralized supply side approach and which relies on old technologies and outdated business models. We have to empower consumers through providing them with information, choice, and through creating flexibility to manage demand as well as supply. We have to move away from a fragmented system characterized by uncoordinated national policies, market barriers, and energy isolated areas. This is the bridge. And we spent two very interesting hours to discuss a lot of shortcomings that needs to be addressed. We need also to think at all the, the breakthrough that we need to bring in the system, which are not there yet. As you hear from Sami, he says the same like Johannes. Mm -hmm. He says he says like Johannes, but it's not it's not upgrading any existing things. Existing things we should get rid of them. We have to break it. We have to enter into something radically new. Why? Because we need a deep decarbonization of the society, not only of the energy system. We got a big consumer's involvement because if they are not involved, it will never work. And of course, we need big innovation because to get consumers at the center of it, we will need a lot of innovation. And, and all of us, the millions or the billions of us, we will use our funds to drive the system. But this is pretty far from, uh, let's say, the um, responsible attitude from tax saying, oh, force package. No, it's not a force package. We, we will look at this and that because we need to refine a little bit. It's, it's totally the opposite. It is in the same document. And we are still, I am still wondering what we will do. I hope we will do a fourth package. I'm not sure we will be able to do. If we do not, we are exactly in the Californian situation in the year 2000. We, we, are, we are waiting for, a, for big policy decisions to be taken. We are not when they will be taken. We, are not, we do not know by whom. We do not know what will come out. And we have billions of investment depending on this to know if they will make some money or be killed by the evolution of the market. And it's also the same for TSOs and DSOs, do not dream, because their billions can be burned out in five years' time if the policy moves. Um, we've accumulated some questions on Twitter, but I'm also sort of conscious that it might be cruelty to keep you here much longer, that you might be running out of air. I mean, do we want to continue a little bit longer? What's the, what's the feeling here?
2 p.m. We'll we'll carry on. Um, okay. Um, I mean, let's take maybe one for for Georg on the end. On um, this is from Hugo Gil or Gil um, on uh, gas imports, and he's from oh, he's from you. He's from the the Florence School of Regulation. Uh, are you actually here? No. Okay. Um, just on whether there's a numerical level we should be talking about about Russian imports. We've also we've mentioned the gas imports from Russia have decreased from 50 to 30 percent, he says, uh, due to the implementation of the IEM. Um, would, what would be a comfortable level of imports from Russia in the context of an energy union? Um, I mean, the question is an interesting one. I mean, are we actually talking about a numerical level or is it about something sort of strategically broader? My answer would be a bit provocative. I would not care if we import 100% of our gas from Russia as long as we have the ability to get the same 100% from another source anytime we need to get it. And uh, then if the Russians are the cheapest supplier, let us get it from them. But uh, in case of disruption, we should have a fallback option. Um, Silvia um, Saranyana. Um, asks a question about the, um, she says, is the energy union all about gas and infrastructures? Who will pay for it? Um, now, just, I mean, sort of map out some of the, uh, some of the issues we're dealing with there um, in terms of sort of motivating the private investors to join this, this, this project. I mean, who would like to take, take that one on getting the, getting the animal spirits roused for this? <laughs> yeah, do you want to? I want to say, first of all, it's not just about gas and infrastructure. I think that's clear from both our discussion today, from the document, from what the Vice President has said, from what the President, of President Juncker has said. I think this is very clear. And if there's anybody out there who still thinks that, I would say, stop, think, look again, look even at what other people are saying about it, and not just us as the, 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 the chefs of this, uh, the, the cooks of this document. On, on the question of who will pay, it's, it's going to be different many different ways, but I think uh, um, it's always a dangerous question to start to answer because, I mean, there's an old joke that the consumer always pays, but I mean, obviously you pay for things by buying them on the market, so the question is, what is, the, what the, what is meant by who will pay for this? Is she talking about which frameworks and which paths will be used to, to give the money to the investors and, to, and so they make their return? Because we know they're not going to do it out of the goodness of their hearts. So the question is what tools, what frameworks we're using to achieve the ends we want. And that is, um, I think, part of the development of the process. But mostly, I think, and you will see it again and again, and this is where the internal energy market, and I put the emphasis there on the word market, is the tool to achieve our ends. And that means that uh, investors will make investments and entrepreneurs will develop business models that will deliver services to consumers who will then pay for those services. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, got, we've got a few to sort of whip through, really. Uh, one to Jean-Arnaud Vinois. Um, would there be such a focus on gas security of supply solidarity if no 2004-2007 enlargement? <laughs> well, that's an excellent question. I think that uh, obviously the 100% dependency uh, on gas was uh, occurring in the new member states who, who joined uh, in 2004 and, and later. So uh, obviously uh, this was a challenge because it revealed in 2009 particularly the, the lack of infrastructure and the lack of interconnections between the West 
which was rather secure with a good diversification of supply and uh, Eastern European countries. So yes, this is uh, the, the gas security of supply issue came clearly uh, as a result of the enlargement. So I think to let, let's be let's be clear. So and I think in the field of, en of electricity, we have the same divide uh, by lack of interconnection between uh, uh, West and East, so that is where there is still so, some work to be done. So, um, uh, yes, but uh, I don't, well, I, on the 100% supplier, I want to, to give an example of that. Um, Finland is 100% dependent on Russian gas. And um, they are meeting the N minus uh, one infrastructure standard according to the regulation on security of gas supply of 2010. Mm -hmm by being able to uh, to cope with a disruption of 100% by demand management and by recourse to alternative uh, fuel. So this is the only case I know. Liz, you know, <laughs> you are smiling. We have not checked the, the ability of Finland to, to, to cope with 100% disruption, but uh, I would not go for that. Uh, I, I've always seen that um, Germany is limiting 30% is, is the type of ceiling they have uh, for uh, one supplier and particularly the one we uh, all have in mind. So uh, I think yes, and the, 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 Spa the Spaniards have also regulated that. At the time they were very dependent on Algeria and they have reduced this dependency and they have also in, by law, is how much? 60%? 50%. So, mm. so I, I think in any case, uh, diversification diversification mm. is uh, is not new. Uh, Mr. Churchill yeah. was already saying that uh, long ago. So it is the right policy. Sam, you have a specific security of supply question as well, just for you. Ah. Uh, and this is from Agata Woskot Strachota. Um, and she says, she uh, I agree with SOS regulation. But it was also to answer uh, con uh, yes. But it was also to answer concrete needs. What common concrete needs now to answer? Uh, that's a good question that I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, what is interesting is that you, as a journalist, your question was: uh, Are we aren't we talking too much? Is it not too much centered on gas? This strategy, mm. and then all the questions that we get are about gas. Can you ask the tweeters why? <laughs> <laughs> Not before lunchtime. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Tug has a, a like splendidly precise Brussels question. Uh, IGAs, is there more support between member states than in 2011? Commission proposal for decision 994 slash 2012. Well, okay. This is where you have to give uh, the such a precise question. Yes. I think you can only give an obfuscatory answer and say that the there was clearly support in to, for the for the existing decision, given that it was agreed to, and that the, uh, the commission will develop its proposal over the course of the next year to pro to set for, set out in 2016. Mm -hmm. I think we will propose something that we consider has a good chance of being accepted. But it's not that we're simply going around saying we're going to concede everybody's smallest desire at the time. But actually, and to be much more precise, I do think there is going to be, and there is appetite for change here. Yeah. And I do think that member states recognize that this is not a power grab or this is not bureaucracy for its own sake by the Commission. 
This is, as I said in my presentation, two-stranded. It's about ensuring that we are not, that <laughs> a, a policy of divide and conquer is not used against us, or rather is not successfully used against us. And it's about not leaving member states alone who need to negotiate against powerful commercial slash governmental mm -hmm. interests on the other side. Do we have, I mean, two minutes left. Is the one final, has anybody got a burning question left? Or should we let everybody retire to lunch? Like to You'd like to conclude, there you go. There's, yes, yeah. If it is the end of the end of the end, I will conclude. Uh, uh, I will conclude. Uh, next time, I, I need to prepare uh, to sing. Uh, it's not front, that spontaneous. So, I need to conclude. Well, I will conclude. I'm very happy uh, having Pac opening the session and, and, and keeping with us because we need to understand the way Commission sees it, enters into it, forces development. Uh, and I did like his attitude way to say, but Jean-Michel, it's not an easy proposal anymore because the Council has been clear yesterday. It's, it's, a, it's a common vision. Fair enough. Second thing, uh, as I am an old or a still mature professor, I like debates where I learn something and, and debates where there is things I cannot immediately understand and I have to work on it. It has been the case for several hours, so it's, it's really fantastic for me. So I would like to thank Christian for his uh, very wide-open um, uh, administration of the debate. My co-panelists, because most of the time I have been more interested into listening them than thinking about myself and my school. Um, two big things, all the people joining us online, and, and if I have to give the most hurtful, friendly, enthusiastic uh, thanks there to the online followers, I strongly believe that it's a key characteristic on the 21st century. Online, you have the same rights and the same sharing that people being here in the room. It's very key. Um, and I have to apologize the fact that we haven't been able at Forum School to make it work immediately. <laughs> we are a very young team. I am by far the oldest. Huh? We are an old, young team between 26-36. They do the best they can to, 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 to have innovative tools and to make it work. From time to time, we have difficulty. We learn through difficulties. That's life. And we are sure that we are not going to forget energy unions for the two coming years. And uh, if I remember correct, Front School is offering you um, a lunch, a drink, everything. Uh, thanks to everybody, and particularly online unions.